Hi everybody and welcome to another uh, special edition of uh, B2B Nav. Um, still hold up in our various uh, properties as a result of the uh, COVID-19 continued disruption. Um, so you've got myself, Matt, you've got John, who appears to this <laughs> appears to be in this morning studio this week, uh, and Ollie, who appears to be actually in the office, but you can assure me you're not in the office, are you, Ollie? I am not. Good, good. Um, so we thought we'd we'd touch on this week maybe some of the, I say, positive disruption, if I can call it that, in relation to um, the coronavirus kind of outbreak and how it's impacted uh, businesses potentially in a positive way. And we can come on to that to discuss it because obviously the negative and adverse impacts across businesses and individuals has been, has been significant. So, but we are seeing across several of our clients um, certain themes that are probably worth uh, touching on. Um, John, do you want to go first in, in terms of, first one to kick us off, what, what are you seeing in terms of any positive outcomes of this so far? I think it's, it all came out of just thinking about SWOT analysis and analysis. And you know, when you always look at a SWOT analysis and you look at the weaknesses and you look at the threats, and then you always think, well, what are the opportunities and what are the strengths that this delivers? Mm -hmm. And I think the key one, I think across BDB for me has been the interaction between teams, between individuals, between departments yeah. and the making of an effort to actually engage with your teams and not be too busy too, because there's so many things you need to kind of be cognizant of, of people's welfare, you know, are they okay on their own? You know, a lot of, a lot of the younger team mm -hmm. are on their own, but, yeah. you know, they've left home, they're, were their first, maybe second job, and they're actually living on their own. Yeah. And they're now sat alone. Yeah. I think, are you finding that you're speaking almost more to people than you do when you're in the office, ironically? Yeah. Oh, in, in un, immeasurably more. Yeah. And I think it's more valuable conversation as well. I've noticed when we talk, we talk with focus, we talk with an objective in mind, whereas in the office, it's very, very easy to get sidetracked and start talking nonsense with someone or go mm -hmm. off topic or uh, Ollie's smiling because that's probably our MO <laughs> more days than not. The conversations are generally whereas now it's a lot more, more punchy, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. It's like I've joked about us kind of trying to do Japanese stand-up meetings and, you know, <laughs> you talk a lot about why, why book an hour when 15 minutes will do the job? Yeah. And I think people are more conscious of it. I think mm. they're much more respectful of everyone's time and everyone's situation, which is really nice. And it, I think it's helping everyone get along more. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if as a team, we're all a lot closer and yep. we all understand each other's roles a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. No, when we get through the other end of this. Definitely. Definitely. And I think also in terms of the, I think I've probably said it before, but the use of the Teams or Zoom or whatever platform is kind of irrelevant that people are using, um, forces you to be more punctual, <laughs> which yeah. is, a, is a strange observation. But just for me personally, where you have got virtually back to back to back to back meetings, naturally in the office, one spills into another and it knocks on your day and you're constantly running mm. late, which... I don't know. It's a strange must be a point in the human brain. I guess that that that's you know that feels more acceptable to be late for a meeting in person with your team as opposed to leaving somebody sat on a call waiting for you, um, which is strange. Yeah. But it's just a, a weird observation I found. Have you found that, Ollie? Or 
Yeah, I've definitely found that, which is, like you say, it's really weird. Somebody's physically sat in a meeting room waiting for you, mm. but you don't care as much as when you know that, that time slot's there in a diary um, <laughs> on another call waiting for you. Uh, and I think we already talked about this possibly in a previous episode as well. I think it's a bit easier to, to exit a conversation because you're not chatting, you're not as off topic. Um, so it's that more like it's 11 o'clock, our time's up and I have another call, so I'm mm. going to have to. I found myself using the phrase, I've got a hard stop at the <laughs> beginning of meetings a lot more than I've ever done in the past. Like, you're right. It's kind of weird, isn't it? How you're much more kind of automated when you're in a digital workflow than you are when you kind of... Yeah, it's just, it's just a really strange observation because human nature, it should, it should be worse to leave somebody waiting in person. But... <laughs> But it's not, it's not, it's certainly yeah. not for me. And as I say, yeah, I'm, I'm conscious of going back. I've got another call. I've, I've done it with clients this week, which is really unusual. But when you've got to dive off one call onto another, I've just said, sorry, guys, I've got to shoot. I've got to jump onto another call. And everybody's quite accepting of that as well, I think, which is yeah. Um, yeah. interesting as well in terms of the, the empathy people have got towards working in this way. I guess the other thing... Yeah, I hope it, go on, towards our job. I was just going to say, I hope that's something that, you know, transcends COVID-19 and kind of, we don't all just revert to type yeah. when we all get back in the office and start seeing each other face to face again. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And in terms of Ollie, I guess one of the things we are seeing across our client base, particularly at the minute is the, I guess I'll, I'll call it and you can rename it whatever you want, but accelerated digitalization. So, yeah. you know, I think the, the digital transformation has been on the agenda for many of our clients for a number of years now. Um, in terms of development of the tech stack alongside alongside their digital presence and profile and and, and, and so on. Um, but it seems to obviously be forcing the hand of people who maybe were either slow with that or maybe a bit more reluctant to embrace it. What, what's your thoughts on that? It's just reverse the priorities really, hasn't it? In terms of we'll always have things on our lists and, and, and things like that that we need to get to. We know they're important, but we, we've got a million other things on and you kind of, you're firefighting a lot of the time. And mm. I think that applies to everybody really. Whereas obviously this situation, when we all have to communicate digitally, we all have to do everything digitally, we have to do business digitally, um, has just me meant that any digitization has now jumped up massively in terms of what's a priority or not. So as a very small example, we were uh, using uh, Skype internally and we knew Skype wasn't uh, the tool for us. We had better tools available to us. So Microsoft Teams is the successor to Skype. We hadn't switched over to it yet. We hadn't told the team how to install it, how to get it, even though we had it. So we were all still using Skype. Pretty much day one of being first to work from home and having call issues with Skype, pretty much everybody switched to Teams. <laughs> and it was no longer, let's do it at some point. Yeah. It's literally today we're using this, let's go. And I think obviously it's not as simple to, to digitize in every area as that change has been. But I think we're seeing clients um, start to shift the mentality and think like, like all these things that we used to do, how do we continue to do them now um, in this period where we're all remote? So whether that's calling, whether that's meeting, whether that's uh, generating leads, having sales meetings, sharing collateral, mm -hmm. those are all considerations that previously were, let's pop it in the mail, let's hand out a physical brochure, or I'll tell you when I meet you, to now we have to do it digitally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And do you, think there, do you think there's a slight reluctance of anticipation there from clients because we don't know what the world does look like post this era 
we can call it that for the meantime. So in the sense of, I'm thinking, I'm thinking specifically around the events and exhibition space here, obviously, which we've referenced on several of the previous podcasts, but um, you know, the, some of the events that were and exhibitions that were deferred a quarter are now subsequently being canceled. Um, and it's forcing clients to think, well, what do they do across this leaner period now where there's a big gap in their kind of events and exhibitions agenda um, things like virtual visitor that we're launching kind of our, our BDB solutions to that and, and more to come on that in due course. But there's almost a reluctance as well to commit spend to that because people actually don't know mm. the, the full, uh, out, you know, the full developments yet. So are things permanently canceled? What's going to happen instead? And there's a kind of a nervousness to spend budget that was allocated to something else uh, in this mm. intervening period. Have you, have you seen that at all, John? Or? I, I don't know. I think if anything, certainly the clients that I'm working with most closely at the moment are, I haven't seen any sort of downturn. I've seen yeah. a sort of a pivot or a lateral movement in where the money's been spent. Yeah. I've also seen a lot of them either quiz me or other members of the team around the word digitization. Yeah. I think it's become more than a word now. And mm-hmm. Ollie, you'll know this more, more keenly than anyone, I guess is, within clients, large clients, and even smaller clients, you hear the word digitization, you hear we need to move to a digital world without any real, I guess, understanding of what that means, what the implications are, what's needed to make it happen. And yet now people are becoming really, really focused on what is digitization? What can it do for my business? Mm -hmm. And where's it going to take me? So I don't, I think if anything, it's making people more conscious that they need to do something because if they don't, there's going to be, you know, like the crash in 2008, there was like this big gap of like six to eight months where nothing happened Mm. and everyone had to catch up again. I don't think anyone wants to be in that spot when normal reappears. Yeah, because I I found myself writing something something the other day, I can't remember if the team or for a client, but I I said something along the way when normality resumes or something like that, but the... I guess the reality is that probably will never be the case. I think even if we go back to yeah. where we were, it's going to be some kind of hybrid. It's going to be a different where we were. Yeah, like yeah. a hybrid world of there'll still be some, like going back to the events, still some physical events held, obviously, because under no stretch of the imagination do I think events and exhibitions have been killed off by this. They won't be. But there could be a reluctance to travel. There could be a reluctance to host I think it'll be global, different. global events on such a large scale. Um, so I think people I think, are going um, to pivot, pivot and think differently. Yeah, go on, Ali. Yeah. I was talking about the same thing the other day. And, um, yeah, if you think about it, you know, let's say the UK decides that we can all go back to work again in, in three months. Is that the same for the US? Is that the same mm. for the rest of Europe? Because if not, then the shows are still going to continue to be affected. Travel is still going to be affected. Even after we're officially allowed out, you've got to imagine that there's going to be some kind of reticence to some extent. So even if... Um, even when exhibitions are going ahead again, I'd expect attendance to be down to some extent from that point of view of people going like, well, do I really need to travel? Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how that, uh, you know, that continued digitization kind of is, is still in force, you know, when things are normal. It's these ones that are like a millennia events, isn't it? That kind of mm-hmm. really change behaviors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And while it's probably an over-dramatic analogy, you think about the meteorite and the dinosaurs 65 million years ago. Mm -hmm. It was that extinction event that gave mammals the chance to thrive. And while this isn't by any stretch as catastrophic as that, how can it not change the way that people 
do business or want to do business. You know, like you say, Ali, if in, in six months' time, things start to kind of filter back into a more normal, or sorry, not normal, how it used to be. Yeah. Say people aren't going to say, well, actually, we've done six to 12 months of marketing without any physical interaction with anyone. Mm. Why do we need to do physical interaction? Why do we need to spend money on print? Why do we need to spend money on this when we can actually create those experiences in a digital environment and we can handle everything that way? So it's I think it's it definitely going to force people in that direction, isn't it? Without a doubt. I think it's, it'll be interesting. I think as much as the environment, it's how it impacts the individuals as well um in terms of changing the mindset and philosophy of maybe more traditional business people um choosing my words carefully there but in the sense of you know the the, the more mature c-suite individuals who who i've heard it from you know this is the way we do things who are more reluctant to change and embrace the digital kind of environment and world i would hope this if nothing else has shown them that you know, this is, this is kind of almost your business continuity plan. And certainly from a marketing brand awareness yeah. and lead gen perspective, um, w- without it, you are, you are going to struggle. Cause if it, if it is taken away from you, you're, as it has been your ability to kind of interact on that physical one-to-one basis, you've got to have this in your artillery. Um, and the more robust a strategy and a more evolved strategy you've got around it, the more chance you've got of success, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think I've lost count of the amount of times I've heard clients say we use an event to to have a meeting to seal a deal to yeah, yeah, yeah. negotiate and you're like well you can't do that you know if that's your only route to kind of closing deals yeah you're you're in trouble right now and no, you're in trouble till when September October well I've just I was um, January chatting, I've, I've referenced him a couple of times and we're hopeful to get him on a podcast to, to hear about his experience but Mike Golden from E3 who's our uh, one of our partners over in Shanghai has just been on two-week lockdown house arrest in, that's what he's termed it I don't know if that's the actual term um, where he's had he's been locked locked in his home He's allowed, there's a camera, a government camera placed on his front door. He's allowed to open the door once a day to take the trash out and take something in. I can't remember what it was, something like a delivery or something or whatever it may be of the pharmacy supplies or something. Um, and if it opened outside of that, he'd be arrested. So, I mean, full lockdown comparative to what we're on mm-hmm. here and we're complaining that we can't go for a two-hour run. Um, but he's just been released from the two-week, in Shanghai, the two-week kind of house arrest, as he called it, um, and, you know, he's chatting to you this morning, so he's out and about now. He's been out for lunch for the first time since January in Shanghai. And he said, whilst people are still wearing masks yes. and still keeping a respectful distance, is the way he phrased it, it feels a bit more like a return to normality there, a little bit. Mm-hmm. If you think about the journey that they've been on since, I guess, I think it was December, was it, when it broke in Wuhan out? And then... Yeah, I think about the beginning there, of December, obviously. wasn't it? So that's almost what three, three, four months ago. Getting up for four months ago now. Yeah. And so I yeah, think half a year ahead. I, I think UK and Europe, that we've got a, way, a long, long time to go yet. And that's what I'm trying to speak to our clients about when they're maybe a bit more reluctant to embrace digitalization in the sense of, well, what's the other option? Do nothing for the next six months because that's how it feels to me that they're kind of waiting and people are sitting and waiting at the minute to see what what the new normal looks like. And I think if you do that at the minute, you're going to lose such 
such an opportunity on maybe a competition or lose ground might be the different way to look at it for the people that are actually doing things differently yeah um all that all that advantage that you could have had will just become the day the normal day-to-day won't it it'll just yeah, become it will. the norm and i think it's no just re- it, it's requiring people to be a little bit braver and a little bit more gung-ho um, you know, a bit, as I always say, a bit more line and a bit less sheep. So stop waiting to see what everybody else is doing and do something different and embrace it. And somebody's got to be first over the over the trench, so to speak, to actually do this. And in the world of B two B, you don't get that many brave marketeers, do you? Because typically they're they're a bit more timid and guess want to do what yeah. they've done previously that works and doesn't upset anybody. So there's a kind of weird paradigm at the minute of wanting to do things differently and embrace it, but then a nervousness about using budget and and um, trying something new where there's an obviously you know yeah um, new, well new's scary isn't it new is always frightening i think new's also scary when there's you know um the impact it is having on jobs and employment and you know in the uk the whole furlough arrangements and potential redundancies and so on you know and i, I say we're, we i've said it previous we're fortunate at bdb i think because our client base is widespread in terms of the sectors that we cover so the more health, life sciences, pharma and nutrient industries are, are growing and seeing this as an opportunity to showcase their products and services, which is, is great for us. Um, you know, if we had a portfolio that was solely in manufacturing, I'm sure we'd be slightly more pessimistic. It'd be a different, and, different and world, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think, I think we're also fortunate. Go on, John, yeah, sorry. In the, sorry, I think we're also fortunate in that our clients are forward thinking, you know, m- yeah. many of them, and again, without it becoming some sort of like infomercial for what we're doing with virtual visitor, anyone who we've kind of spoken to about it Mm -hmm. has been incredibly receptive to the concept and has almost kind of has almost made that step already of going, well, actually I know that whatever the new normal is, it isn't going to be normal and it's going to be a weird hybrid of something I used to know and something I've got no idea about. So I need a contingency. I need, a strategy to be able to meet people, to manage my press relations, to do whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. launch products, blah, 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 you know, anything yeah. that you would normally do in your marketing world. Yeah. And I think we are very, as a business, are very fortunate that the people who we work with kind of have already made that step yeah. to some degree of, I know I've got this budget here, but I know I've got to do something to kind of maintain the kind of wheels of sales. Mm-hmm. And, and I guess I'm going to jump into something slightly random here, but another thing that's coming out definitely and not necessarily even marketing related, so I'm going to take it slightly off piece here, is the mental health aspects of, of working at home in isolation. So, you know, we, we touched on earlier, I think one of the positives to come out of it is, is the cultural impact on the business. Whilst it's certainly mm-hmm. challenging and difficult, I think it, it kind of is bringing people even closer together and, there's certainly a lot more empathy being shown in our team for people's respective arrangements. So, and that ranges from international employees we've got who have relocated to Manchester, as John said, living by themselves through to um, members of our team at the minute who are primary carers, not only for their parents and who are in the vulnerable older generations to having kids and, and and some people have got all that to contend with along with trying to hold down a job and um maintain that kind of seamless level of service to our clients so 
I, I, th I feel that people are being more empathetic towards one another and even the working hours, the working arrangements, when people are available, unavailable, people seem to be quite respectful of and, and mindful of. I think another thing that's brought to the forefront for me is how difficult people are finding it. I don't know about you guys in terms of hearing it echo around the team. And I would say more at the younger generations, but not limited to them, if that's a fair observation. What, what do you guys think, Oliver? You know, I was surprised. I didn't think it, I, I kind of didn't think it would bother me at all. Um, but it has done. And I found myself at times just getting, I guess, a little bit anxious when I've mm -hmm. had emails like that come in. And, it's, and I think it's just down to the fact that there's that extra barrier in place in terms of communication, in terms of getting stuff done. So everything feels more of a challenge almost. Mm -hmm. And I guess it's probably calmed down a bit now, but like the first week or two of it, I just found it so weird to have these extra barriers in place. Maybe we're more used to now, more used to it now and more used to just picking up the phone when we need that help or need somebody's opinion on something as opposed to um, feeling like you've got to go with it uh, alone. Obviously, yeah. Office, you'd, you'd just go and chat to somebody or somebody would request something but when you've got those extra barriers in place I just think everything does become a little bit harder yeah yeah what, what do you think John on that one because I mean it's just, I'll say across the team it's something that I've been monitoring and to the extent that you know we're going to we're going to do some training around it and have some, some experts and come and speak to us to try and help people through this period but what, what, what do you think I think I think it's certainly, and I'm, I can only really speak for myself, but I've seen it in, a, in other people. I think it helped, it's made people kind of consider their own situation, their own kind of working practices, their own position and what they're doing and how they want to kind of fit in and help the machine and yeah. where, where they fit as well and what, sure. what the value is. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of quite, I guess, quite what's the word quite introspective but I feel I think everyone's had that moment where they've sat there and gone okay well where where do I fit what's my role what am I here to do how can I make it the most make the most of this awful kind of predicament yeah. we find ourselves in yeah yeah and I think it has I think across the board you can see a change in people in terms of how they approach things where they're kind of looking to take things and that's I think that's really positive and I would hope that, you know, once, once we get back to the new normal, that continues. And do you think, uh, it might be a controversial on this one, but I'll say it anyway, in the sense of, do you think, you know, the Queen's speech the other day when she, she said something along the lines of she hopes that this generation can be, can be remembered as being almost like as formidable as the generations that came before, and they're not the exact words, but that's certainly the sentiment of what she said. Yeah. Um, do you think they are? Listen, do you think they are as resilient? So when we talk about resilience and, you know, so it felt to me almost like when we started the lockdown and, and finished from work, um, and I'm, you know, I'm the, probably the biggest champion of Gen Z and the younger generations in work and try yeah. to push them to the forefront and support them. But on day three and four of working from home, people were already struggling. And, you know, I'd be, I'd be lying if I didn't say, Christ, we've got, we could have like six months of this. I was thinking in the back of my mind, mm -hmm. and I thought, how are we going to get through this if on day three and four people are, already making noises that they're finding it challenging and that's not that's no disrespect to those individuals that were that, that's fine no. i was just surprised i suppose i was like i can imagine this sort of three weeks in that you know, yeah. people finding it tough but so early on in the journey i was like oh christ i thought well we have to do something a bit different i suppose and again it's not kicking anyone it's just no 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 i think gen z are 
they are a product of their era, aren't they? Mm. And that sounds really kind of patronising. Mm. It isn't meant to be. It's just kind of a case of you've got social media, you've got connection, you've got all these kind of things that we didn't experience back in the, you know, yeah. whether it be the eight, 90s or the 80s. It was a different world. It was pre-internet. Yeah, yeah. I suppose it is quite, <laughs> in some ways, it's quite paradoxical, isn't it? Because they're the most connected generation. Mm. Yeah. So really, it should be business as usual. Yeah, that's what, that's what, that's, I suppose that, that might be what I, that's probably my, uh, that was my assumption. And maybe that's where, you know, my, my assumption went wrong. Well, what, 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 what are you going to slip in there, Ollie? Sorry. The other angle of that here, I suppose, is that obviously the, the subject of mental health has become a much wider and more embraced subject, let's say yeah. in the last 10 years or so. Mm-hmm. So what we might just be experiencing is, experiencing is people that are just more open about what they're going through and more just more comfortable discussing it yeah yeah i mean it's always been they said you know you always read things that it's always been a, a thing hasn't it you know and it's just whether it was a brush it under the carpet and you know the old school mentality was just deal with it be a be professional be a man be a woman about it and don't yeah. burden anyone with your problems but actually yeah. i think home and drink. that's one thing that <laughs> yeah that's one thing where i think <laughs> Gen Z are very good is they're, they're quite happy to kind of be open about stuff. Yep. As I say, it's a, lear- you know, it's, a le- it's a learning for me and I always think as a business leader, you're always learning and, and you should never make assumptions. It's one of those things where um, I think it's just again brought it to the forefront for me of another aspect of this that you can't take for granted. Uh, and by no stretch were we at BDB, but I think it's it's probably accelerated me again doing something to make sure we we are supporting individuals that are struggling with it, just like you would with any other aspect of um, working life that people find challenging or whatever. Um, so arming them with the tools and techniques brought, to kind of help them through it. I think that empathy thing is really interesting because I've I've chatted to a lot of people about it, and I think the one thing that I have taken out of this more than anything is it's made the world a much smaller place. Yeah. You know, I've got, whether it's cousins in the States, family in New Zealand, you know, Mm -hmm. we've got Mike Golden, who we know in Shanghai. Mm -hmm. Everyone, everyone is going through exactly the same thing, whether they're further in the journey, they've got the journey to come. Yeah. The whole world is actually, is going through exactly the same thing. And it's the first time that as, the Queen said, you know, and since the Second World War, mm. it's the first time the whole world has had a common instance and mm-hmm. a commonality to draw it together. And I find that, I think that's quite interesting. And it does make, I think that does start that journey of empathy and kind of think, well, everyone's going through this. So how do we kind of help them yeah. manage it, yeah. make it easier, make it yeah. better? Yeah. Yeah. No, very relevant. I was going to say, I think I've spoke more to my family across the world than I have ever on a, on a normal week-to-week basis and my my only thing i'd do differently i think in this situation was probably buy shares in zoom before it kicked off that would have been uh, a nice little nice yeah. little game and the house party that That's would have it. been the other one yeah yeah no it's interesting seeing all the tech platforms that are taking off tiktok and so on everybody's going crazy for so Okay, um, I think that's it from me, unless you guys have got anything else to add. But um, no, interesting to chat. Nice no. to catch up with you guys. Um, feel free, if uh, you are listening, to check out our latest edition of The Knowledge, which has just been released this week, and www.b2bknowledge.com. 
um, for all content, free ungated content, helping you navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. And this month's edition is all around ideation. John, have you got any more to add to that, given this was kind of your baby to... Uh, to I think, own? I mean, it's a, it's a subject very close to my heart, but I think what I would say about the content of this month's knowledge is it's a really interesting read in terms of making people, hopefully changing people's perceptions that everyone can have a creative idea. Mm-hmm. It's possible, you know, and it's okay to have bad ideas and, you know, don't let anyone ever tell you there's no such thing as a bad idea. There are, but mm-hmm. they can always lead to a better idea. Yeah. So use them as a catalyst for a springboard. But yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of got a lot of quite interesting science behind it, which I think will help people understand the process and hopefully do get involved in the process more themselves. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, if you've got some free time on your hands, and the sun's out, sit in the garden and enjoy it. I think it's one of our one of our best and most thought-provoking editions to date. So um, thanks very much, everybody. Um, God okay. knows when we'll be back in the office together doing this, but uh, we'll try to keep the content flowing for you. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Okay. Cool. Cheers. Bye. Bye.